Hello, Michael. How are you doing? And you're welcome to this, the first, the first episode of uh, the side, the, the in the line out uh, with myself and yourself. And uh, I'd like to start off by wishing you and your family and friends a very uh, happy new year. And hopefully, hopefully, you had a good Christmas. Yeah, it was good. And I made the most of it anyway. Under the circumstances, there was restrictions in place, but still, I had a good cry Christmas at home with my family and. Uh, Thanks uh, for the well wishes and many happy returns to you and yours as well. No problem. Thanks very much. Well, it was, it was an exciting uh, weekend last weekend. And I suppose the story of the weekend was uh, Connacht's win over Leinster and uh, Jack Jack Carty's, uh, you know, huge haul, haul of 25 points in one game. That That's some, um, that's uh, some scoring average there. And, uh, yeah, I suppose really in, in many in many ways it wasn't it wasn't an expected result, but uh, I suppose now with, with Carty in form now he's really playing well at the moment, and uh, you know that augurs well for Ireland as well. Yes, it certainly was an unexpected result in because Connacht had been coming into this game on the back of uh, three straight defeats, two in the Champions Cup and one in the Pro 14. And going up against Leinster, the four in a row seeking champions, not many, myself included, would have given them much of a chance. But they were full value for their victory, Connacht, you know. Running up 35 points, uh, I know they lead 24, but 35 points is an impressive haul. Their first win away to Leinster in 19 years, so it's good to get that monkey off their back. And also, as you say, as you mentioned, Jack Carty, who was the star performer. Yeah, Jack Carty had a truly phenomenal game and at 25 points, it's the joint most anyone has ever scored against Leinster. Stuart Lang uh, set, set uh, the record many years ago and Jack Carty has now equaled it, which is, uh, an, which is absolutely immense. Now, I, I was highly impressed with uh, Quaylen Blade as well, the scrum half. The two of them as a half-back partnership were two of the star performers and they played a key role in Connacht's victory. And Jack Carty, um, he was he missed he missed very little. Took his tries really well, and I think this performance, you know, he's he's really started to uh, f- to uh, recover some of the form that Simon got selected for the Irish squad previously. He uh, de- it'll do him and it'll his confidence the world of good. It'll be great for Connacht as well. Uh, he definitely is now starting to come into the reckoning to be included in the Irish squad for the Six Nations. Now, it isn't a foregone conclusion by any means. He will look to back up this performance because uh, he needs to be playing well consistently to be considered an international 10. But last weekend against Leinster was a major step in the right direction. That's it. And I suppose really uh, from an Ireland perspective, uh, he'd be a great guy to have as a, as a second number 10, you know, in case... Uh, in case Johnny Sexton got injured or anything, because if he can keep that, as you said, he has to back up last weekend's performance and, and consistently perform like that to be seriously in the running or, or even to displace John, John's, Johnny Sexton at all, But uh, which is a tough task too. But uh, I suppose he's kind of one more for the future now at, at uh, fly half, the way, the way he's performing. But you never know if, if he can keep performing like that. There's no reason... Why, why he can't be given uh, Andy Farrell headaches when it comes to selecting number 10 for the, for the Six Nations. 
Yeah, well, as I said, it's all about uh, consistency because uh, that's what's needed. Because, of course, it must be rem- it must be remembered as well that uh, Connacht they went up against a, a weakened Leinster side, and it was uh, it wasn't their first choice team. There was uh, very few first choice players actually playing for Leinster, but still, you know, it's an uh, it's. No, it's a, it's not taking from their victory, you know. Just still, it was still a great result because Leinster, as we can see, have a phenomenal squad depth, and they have such an array of options that uh, even if you're play if you're playing against uh, their second or third string players, they're still they're still a decent outfit. So it's it's a cause for optimism, but uh, nothing to be getting getting carried away with from Connacht or from Jack Carty's perspective. That's it, and I suppose really there was a lot a lot of people. Uh... You know, I suppose the media circle saying about uh, you know a lot of people were wondering whether the whether the game should have went ahead at all, considering that there was a, a few cases of COVID in the Leinster camp. But I suppose <laughs> regardless of what happened, anyway, that the the game did go ahead, and uh, you know, as you said, the, the depth, the, the strength and depth of the Leinster squad meant that they had equally good players that did that were able to come in. In place of the players that 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 were out, so I suppose that's that's a testament. Yes, although the one thing that's worth mentioning there, though, is that um they 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 did struggle to an extent, Leinster, because uh, Johnny Sexton went off uh, in the first half through a H- uh, he failed a HIA, so he ended up coming off um after about twenty three minutes or so, and uh, they definitely they made his uh, his absence definitely seemed to stifle Leinster somewhat. And they, they struggled without him. And even Jimmy O'Brien, who was taking over the kicking duties, he was his shoulder injury was uh, he was carrying a bit of a knock to the shoulder, and he's now a doubt for the game against Ulster at the weekend. So they definitely missed Johnny Sexton, and that, of course, uh, on top of all the other absenteeism they had before the game, but still not taken from Connacht. They did very well to get the victory and to end a 19-year hoodoo in Dublin against Leinster. That's it. And moving on to another one, uh, something that you you probably, as a monster fan, you you you'll be uh, you won't be too happy with, I suppose, and will be a bit of a sore point. Monster losing to uh, to Monster losing at the weekend. It was a bit of a an unfortunate one, but uh, you know, losing to Ulster. But I suppose you know this is a good Ulster side, and uh, you know, but but do, do you think from your point of view, from from your from your thoughts, do you think was it was it a game that uh, Monster should should or could have won or whether was it just a case of Ulster were just too good on the day and that was it? Well, to be honest, uh, Munster won't be too disappointed about it because if you look at the team they put out, uh, they, they they rested most of their frontline players and they still came away with a losing bonus point. So when you look at it from that perspective, they certainly will be quite happy. And, you know, they... they Ulster did most of the damage earlier on. Like, they led 15-3 at half time. They didn't score at all in the second half, uh, Ulster and Munster. You know they 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 raised they raised their game in the in the second half, and they they gave a lot of players a chance at the start. Like they made fourteen changes in personal, and then on top of that, you know they brought on some of the younger players off the bench towards the end of the game. Like Thomas Ahern came off the bench, almost scored a try. Jack Crowley came on and converted Darren Sweetnam's try. So. They gave they they used the the game mainly for experimentation purposes, and they will be glad with how uh, with, with how a lot of their players played. So it's it's not all doom and gloom. It's a first defeat of the season for Munster in this competition, but it's not all doom and gloom considering that they went up there with a with a, a, a an inexperienced side. 
and still came away with a losing bonus point and held Ulster scoreless for the second half. So I suppose for both teams, who were the players that sort that uh, stood out for you for Munster and Ulster? Well, starting with Ulster, man of the match was Ethan McElroy. Uh, he scored a try and he, he made a crucial tackle on Shane Daly when Shane Daly was threatening to score a try earlier on the first half. So he showcased both his offensive uh, ability and, of course, his, his solidity at the back as well with that defensive tackle. Uh, so he was the, the standout player for Ulster's point of view. He was followed very closely by Billy Burns and Billy Burns had a very good game. He set up uh, Ethan McElroy with a beautiful crossfield kick for that uh, second try. And his, his all-round kicking was I- I- impressive indeed. David McCann was, uh, go- was good for the, for the Ulster men too. And of course, uh, like Ethan McElroy as David McCann, they're all players coming through the Ireland under 20 ranks. Uh, Ethan McElroy was there this year. David McCann was there last year. So, Hopefully, we'll see these guys start to do it on a regular basis. Munster then, of course, uh, Thomas Ahern was one of their key players who has, who starred with the Ireland under-20s and winning a Grand Slam. Thomas Ahern was one of the, the big players and he came agonisingly close to scoring a try, made a good impact on coming in off the bench and who, who knows, but he could have a starting place uh, in, in the games ahead. And as well as that, Jack Crowley coming out, getting his first chance. I know Munster have a lot of out-halves at the minute, you know. They have Jack Crowley, they have JJ Hanrahan, they have Ben Healy. Now, whatever way they're going to work it, I do think they should give Jack Crowley a chance because I've seen this guy play for the internationals at under-20 level. And he has, and his, his performances have been of an incredibly high standard that I feel he's too good not to, to not get a chance. And then I suppose outside of the, outside of that, then Chris Clote had an outstanding game for Munster, one of his best games for a, for a long, long time. And he was one of their standout performers on the day as well. So all around, there was uh, enough to choose from on both sides. That's it. And going back to the, the, Con- the Connacht versus Leinster game as well, kind of the same thing, I suppose, outside of Jack Carty for Connacht, who were the other players that stood out for Connacht and also the players that stood out for Leinster? Um, I thought Quaylen Blade at scrum half had a very good game as well. And I thought himself and Jack Carty as a unit, uh, you know, formed a formidable partnership at half back. Tom Daly, of course, who scored the winning try as well. I was very, I was very impressed with him in the centre. And uh, Alex Wooten took, it, took his try very well as well. And Connor Oliver in the back row was outstanding. And then on Leinster's side, uh, I have to say Ryan Baird really impressed me. Playing in uh, unfamiliar territory, we're used to seeing him as a, a second row. He was operating at blindside flanker and he had an outstanding game. And we see we saw him uh, at once, we saw him score trying the second half. And at another stage, we saw him channel his inner Rocky Elsom with a powerful surging run forward where he gained a lot of ground. And Leinster came close to scoring a try and Ryan Baird was central to it. And then uh, outside of, outside of him, then well, I suppose I suppose they, they were missing they were they were missing a lot, a lot of their big players. But uh, out, outside of him, then uh, there the, the outside of him there mightn't have been there mightn't have been two. But uh, Ryan Baird was was definitely one one of the one of the standout performers. Outside of that, then. And just I'm just trying to just trying to think back through it. They definitely 
were were entailed by by injuries in that game. I thought uh, Sean Cronin did well coming off the bench. He had a good input to Luke McGrath's try with a with a an 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 a nice assist for that try. And but so yeah, so there were some of the standout performers from that game. I suppose looking ahead now to 2021, uh, just going on to the kind of Ireland at the, uh, for the moment as well. Uh, before we go on to the Lions tour, is uh, you know with the you know the current the current Ireland squad, like you know at the moment when you when you're looking at uh, how those how the players for for those four provinces are playing, both you know in the um, in the Champions Cup and the Pro 14, are there any players that stand out to you that could be pushing for a place to get into the uh, the Ireland squad, or do you, do you think uh, it'll be just kind of same as usual when when it comes to the Ireland squad? Or like, will any of those players be getting a chance in matches in twenty twenty one? Of course, <laughs> COVID, COVID permitting. Well, as I already said, uh, Jack Carty, if he repeats the the standard as a uh, is a is a potential candidate indeed. But uh, as as a result, I don't I don't see. Uh, that many, that many new faces. Uh, it'll it'll be pretty much pretty much the the same squad of players. Uh, Jack Carty, if he repeats that that kind of standard, could be in the shakeup. Uh, Ryan Bird, uh, if he repeats, uh, if he continues to show the same kind of impressive form he's showing at Leinster, then uh, an inclusion in the squad is per, is perhaps on the cards. But as I said, I suppose, you know, the Six Nations is a couple of weeks away yet. I think we'd be better placed to answer that question after two rounds of the Champions Cup coming up in the next two weeks. That's it. And of course, the, the other thing, uh, moving on to the Lions Tour, there was a lot of speculation over um, the Lions Tour now, you know, with the with COVID in mind. You know, there, there's maybe rumours that it might, go, it, might go, it might go ahead at all. Well, what they're looking at, well, it will go ahead, but it's just a case of at at some stage it, it'll go, it'll definitely go ahead. It's just a case of when. At the moment, you see, there are three contingency plans. In an in an ideal world, we were hoping to have the Lions Summer Tour of South Africa going ahead uh, this coming summer, but they're exploring three other options now due to the spread of COVID nineteen. Option one is that they play the series against South Africa in the UK and Ireland. Instead, and the second option is postponing it until 2022, and the third option is going ahead with the tour in South Africa, but staging it behind closed doors. Now, having looked at the various options, and there's definitely advantages and disadvantages associated with each of them. I think none of them are in, a, in, in an ideal world are appealing options, but. The, the 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 least of three evils, or so to speak, is postponing it until twenty twenty two, and I think uh, the I think that's the that's the best outcome from a health and safety perspective. Number one, because we have a deteriorating COVID situation in both the UK and South Africa, and at the moment there's a new strain of the virus uh, em- emerging as well and that's known to be very potent and i know there's a vaccine started to ro- to be rolled out but it's it's questionable at the moment at this stage how as to how effective it actually is now hopefully it will be but they need to make a call soon for logistical reasons so i think uh, deferring it until 2022 is probably the best option by then you would imagine we would have some semblance of normality restored back then. And what's more, there would be a gain from it from a financial perspective because 
it seems South African Rugby Union Chief Yuri Rue has said that they, if there's no fans, they don't want any tour. And they've been very firm about that. And I can see why on one level, because the amount of uh, fi- uh, financial gain they would have from uh, 30,000 travelling fans, it's an opportunity that for them only comes around once every 12 years. Uh, so yeah. so it's a, it's a lucrative opportunity that they won't get again for, for, for another 12 years. So from a financial perspective, it makes sense. And from a health and safety perspective, it seems to be the best option. Now, I know that uh, some of the head coaches aren't very keen on that as, a, as an option. Like Eddie Jones said that he's, it will give players less recovery time. And, of course, they have a big season after the Lions Tour in 2022 because the World Cup is in 2023. But I think that, uh, you know, they'll still have seven, could have, you still could have give them seven or eight weeks recovery time and maybe put back yeah, so on to another uh, interesting uh, piece of news there is the news of Paul O'Connell, the for- former Ireland player, getting the uh, forwards coaching job. Uh, a very good appointment by the IRFU and, of course, will be hugely beneficial to uh, you know to Andy Farrell in, in the coaching ranks uh, because of the level of experience that Paul O'Connell brings, being a... Being a you know, playing in that position himself. And also he'd be a huge asset from the point of view of the lineouts as well. Yes, uh, Paul O'Connell, it's, uh, it's all the hallmarks of a great appointment, I suppose. We all know what a decorated player Paul O'Connell was, that he's uh, one of the greatest luminaries of Irish rugby history. But what's crucial as well as that is that he has a bit of a coaching record under his belt because, you know, the fact that someone's a good player doesn't always necessarily mean they'll be a good coach. But Paul, crucially, has experience in this area. Like, he has worked as the forwards coach of Stan Francais over in France. He's worked with the Ireland under-20s. And so he, he has definitely got coaching pedigree. And definitely, it, you know, given the, his status in Irish rugby, it's, it looks as if it's going to be a good appointment and beneficial for everybody involved. That's it, because, uh, you know, when the players look back at him as well and to see, you know, his achievements with Ireland and, uh, you know, many, many a great day he had in an Ireland shirt, the fact that they actually got to captain the Ireland team as well, that commands that, that, that commands respect and it means that the players will listen to, to him in all the aspects of the coaching when he's uh, coaching, uh, when he's coaching the, that area. Because, uh, you know, you want that, you need that. The coaches need the players to listen to him. And uh, I think that's that's something that uh, he won't be lacking. He'll command respect and they'll listen to what he has to say. And uh, I suppose not only what he has to say, but actually, you know, and how the way he, he the methods he has of coaching. And it, it's also great, like what you said there, the fact that he has some, some coaching pedigree in him as well already from, from, other, t- from other teams as well, which is key. Yes, uh, that's uh, that's absolutely true. Yes, as I was saying to you, and um, pa- Paul O'Connell, I suppose, can, can definitely offer a lot in terms of enhancing our lineout because the lineout it's uh, it's one of the basic areas of rugby, but it's one of the key fundamentals at the same time. It's something that has to be executed well and done so consistently. And Paul O'Connell, if he can get the Irish lineout to mirror anything like what he 
brought to the table as a player, well, then we, we'll be doing really well and we'll be, uh, we'll be on the right track. And I suppose the upshot of this appointment as well is that um, it now sees that uh, Simon Easterby is going to be the defence coach and John Fogarty is going to be the scrum coach. So the Simon Easterby and uh, they has been involved with the Irish setup for, for a considerable period of time. And now getting Paul O'Connell on board is another positive addition. And, of course, looking back at him as well, um, you know, when he was a player and when he retired, it, it was kind of always inevitable that maybe that one day he was going to be involved in the coaching staff uh, with the Ireland senior team as well, wasn't it? Yes, it certainly was. Well, I suppose the fact that, as you mentioned about him captaining Ireland in the past, he was there, was captain when we won Grand Slams. And, of course, he captained um, Munster to that Heineken Cup triumph in 2008. So he definitely, you know, that uh, straight away it kind of denotes a uh, leadership proficiency, and Paul Paul O'Connell has that in spades. So who knows? But he he might have his eye on on moving up the, the to the upper echelons of Irish coaching in the years ahead. But this is a very good starting point. And could you see uh, maybe in, in the future um, him actually, yeah, like you just said, kind of managing the team full time and being. Uh, because he'd have a lot to offer in I know he has a lot to offer in the position he he has just uh, started in, but he'd have an awful lot to offer in the managerial sense as well down down the line if that's the if that's the way he wants to go down. Yeah, well, I suppose this is a good way for him to start. You know, like uh, you, the, as as I was saying, you know, the, you have to kind of work your way up if you're to reach the upper echelons eventually. And uh, this, I suppose, is a is a good uh, training ground for him. It's a uh, good for him to cut his teeth by starting off as a as a forwards coach. And if he proves himself here, then that might bode well for his chances in the future. Yeah, I'm sure it's an appointment now that the players. The players are looking forward to, to work with him as a coach as well. So, um, you know, it, it's it's exciting times to see him involved now. And, um, you know, it, it gives, uh, I know it's just one coach, but um, we all know the the affections and the, the high status that people hold him in, um, you know, Irish fans and anyone involved and uh, a huge fan of rugby uh, around Ireland uh, to see, to see this appointment. So it's exciting time for them. And, it's going to be interesting to see the, the progress that he makes with them. So, yeah, that's, that's very interesting news. And it, it'll be great to see how he gets on and uh, develops and, uh, you know, hopefully one day develops into, uh, into the, the manager, you know, when, when, uh, when he, I suppose it, it means <laughs> when he feels the time is right. So, listen, thanks very much for that. And, uh, yeah, that, that's some great inter- interesting news. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it all unfolds. So listen, thanks very much for um to for doing the in the line out with us this week, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. Not a bother, Aiden. Thanks a million. No problem. Thanks very much. And that was Michael. That was Michael Cook, our rugby analyst.